Welcome to the Soma Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope what you hear fills your heart with hope and purpose. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and share it with friends. Here's today's message. Guys, now you're probably thinking, why did you bring this up on stage? Or you just, uh, maybe you're a first time guest and you think this is what you weird people do. Um, But I brought this on stage because I am going on a little trip pretty soon, but also because each and every one of us brought this with us today. Now, uh, I mean this in the, in the sweetest and the humblest way possible, but I think if we're all honest with ourselves, every single one of us have a little bit of baggage in our life. And every single one of us this morning brought some baggage with us when we stepped through the doors. It may be that you're having issues in your marriage. It may be that you're afraid of, of what you have to do in the future. It may be that things aren't working out the way you thought they were. It may be that you've got some scars from your past and you're still bringing them in, into your present. Maybe there's some healing that you need in your life, but every single one of us, no matter what it is, brought baggage with us here this morning. And um, I might be the, the greatest pastor on the planet, but I could still not truly help you unpack your bags because you don't want me going through your under things, do you? Most people don't. (laughs) Like if I went on a trip with you and I was just like, oh, here, let me help you with that, and I started rifling through your bag, what would you do to me? So just because I'm the pastor of this church doesn't mean that I get the right to rifle through your bags. But, but, but the truth is, is that I, that I want to help you unpack as much as I possibly can. But it's, but it's your job to unpack. But I can give you some, some tips and some tools this morning that will truly help you unpack whatever is going on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent. And the truth is, is just like this bag has a, a simple access point to be able to get into it so that you can unpack it. It's called a zipper. There's, there's a simple thing I want to share today, and I'm going to go through a kind of a, a robust uh, explanation and an introduction of what we're talking about here this morning, because, because it's such a simple thing that I think that it can escape us how profound it truly is. See, this zipper is just a small thing, but, but sometimes God does beautiful and big and amazing things through some of the simplest and smallest things that, that you could imagine. It's just a small zipper that will help you get into this, but, but it's an important part of this bag. In fact, it may be the most important part of this bag, except for the wheels, because you guys remember, if you're old enough, before these things had wheels on them, it was nuts, right? And now these things got handles and wheels. Thank the Lord for invention. But, but, but probably outside of that, one of the most important things of this bag is the zippers. It keeps your stuff in there and then keeps it secure, and then it's the thing that you need to get inside to be able to get out what's, what's inside of it. So there's some simple things, and a simple thing here I want to share this morning. And before I tell you what the simple thing is, I just want to, in case you have any reservation in your heart or you wonder about simple things, I want to tell you where we get it wrong sometimes. We often think that that if God is going to move in our life, we need fireworks, right? God, I'm dealing with stuff financially. Could you drop $16 million from heaven? I need that right now. If you're in that boat... Wow, we need to talk, um, if that's how much you need. But, but often we're, we're asking God for these big firework prayers, for him to do these amazing things in our life. And I very often think God is actually turning the tables on us, and he's coming to us, and he's saying this, will you just take a simple step of faith? See, we think we're waiting on God, but actually God is waiting on us. 
The way that I can share this with you, the way that makes the most sense to me, is that uh, some of you may be familiar, if you're Bible readers, with the story of Naaman. But even if you're not, here's the story. Here's the moral of it anyway. Big man, he's a soldier in a foreign army, and he comes to a prophet, somebody who knows God's word and, and hears from the Lord. And he says, hey, I need you to lay your hands on me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to heal me. I've got leprosy all over my body. And the guy doesn't even come to the door. He sends a servant, and the servant says, go dip yourself in the Jordan River, and then you'll be healed. And the guy leaves and he's like, he wouldn't even answer the door. Does he know who I am? And he just tells me, go jump in the Jordan River and do something like that. There's way bigger rivers where I'm from. That little dinky old Jordan River, that's not going to do anything. And then his servants come to him and said, hey, sir, 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 wouldn't, wouldn't you do it if he asked you to do something big? But he only asked you to do something simple, so go do it. And then he jumps in the water and he's immediately healed of his leprosy. It's all gone from his skin and he's immediately healed. And the moral of the story is just simple this, simply this, that God moves through simple things. Through simple things. So the next time you're trying to believe God for something grandiose and for something big, don't, don't, don't taper it back. But realize that the key to the biggest things that God wants to do in your life is sometimes with a very simple step. A very small step. And I believe when we finally see ourselves and uh, we see Jesus in heaven one day, uh, he is only going to ask us one thing. Did you obey? Obey. That's a simple thing. But it's just, it's the thing that probably matters most here on this earth. And so I guess here's, here's the idea this morning. Here's this simple key. Here's this simple tool. Here's this little zipper that will help you unpack your bags. And it's to just simply do this. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks all the time and for everything. Give thanks. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's October, Reed. The weather may be changing and it may be kind of weird outside, but it's not Thanksgiving yet. This is your Thanksgiving message. Well, I won't be able to preach for Thanksgiving because we are doing something called At the Movies where Hollywood meets the Bible, and uh, we're going to be doing that in November. Uh, so this is my pre-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving message. So I'm going to go ahead and get you primed and ready for Thanksgiving. Is that all right? So give thanks. Give thanks. Here's what the Bible says about giving thanks in case you think that it's too simple for you um, or, or that maybe there's more to, to life than just living a thankful life. This is what it says in Thessalonians. Um, and this is Thessalonians 5, 17. And again, I'm going through a, a lengthy introduction until I get to the book of Nehemiah. But I really want to introduce this as best as I possibly can so that you understand the power of thankfulness. And this is what it says. Rejoice always. We talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I would be willing to bet the vast majority of us in here this morning probably have at one point in time prayed, God, what is your will for my life? Most of you like probably did this when you were and maybe still are, where you're trying to figure out like what God wants you to do with the rest of your life. God, do you want me to be a dolphin trainer? God, God, do you want me to be a, a, a professional model? I've never prayed that, by the way, in case you were wondering, but thank you for thinking. But, but you've prayed in terms of occupation. Uh, God, what's your will for my life? What do you want me to do? And then God says, he just messes up the whole thing by just giving us simple things by like doing this. You want to know what God's will is? Don't, don't continue to beat yourself up wondering and in curiosity and making a, a mystery all the time. God says, you want to know what my will is? Here's my will. Give thanks in all things for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Give thanks no matter what is going on in your life. Give him thanks because he is worthy. And here's why we should give him thanks. Because thanks is the master key for going deeper. Thanks is the master key for going deeper. And if you're, maybe you're not even a Christian or maybe you're dabbling with Christianity or you don't know what to believe about Jesus here this morning. When I say the word deeper, this is what I mean. That we believe here at Soma Church that the greatest life you can have is on the other side of a relationship with Jesus. And listen, he doesn't want you just to believe up here. He wants you to know him down deep in your heart. See, we don't believe in just being wide and having, uh, I mean, it's probably pretty easy to see this morning, that we don't believe in just having butts and seats. We believe that God wants you to have a deep relationship with him. He wants you to know him. He doesn't want you to wander around this earth wondering if God truly exists. Well, I'll just believe in Jesus since that's what my parents raised me. No, 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 no. God wants you to know him. You can know him deeply. And then once you know him deeply, he wants you to go even a little bit deeper. So God, God wants this church to be wide, but he also wants it to be deep. So many churches this day and age are very wide, but they're not deep at all. Uh, we, God wants us to be both. He wants us to have numeric value, but he also wants to ha- us to have spiritual maturity, to walk deeply with God. And here's the key to true spiritual maturity, knowing Jesus well. Give him thanks. Oh, it may sound like a small thing, but it's a powerful thing that will change your life if you can learn to give thanks in all things. See, some of us got it twisted here this morning. We think if we could just get something new, our life would be perfect. Get that new car, man. Get that new house. Oh, if I could just get that new job, then my life would be meaningful and significant. Then that's when things would really fall into place. Oh, if I could just, if I could just get, that, get that new state and, and live in that new city. Come on, I hope you're listening to me. I wanna, I wanna tell you right now in Jesus' name, this is a word for you. Some of you just need to let this sink into your heart and into your spirit. Newness is not the key because newness wears off. Newness wears off. Listen, newness breeds familiarity, and familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that saying, familiarity breeds contempt? Newness is only new for a little while, and then about three months down the road, six months down the road, guess what? It's no longer new anymore. You don't need to get that new thing. Some of you even here this morning said, I need that new girlfriend, and everything will just be right. And then some of you said, I just need that new wife, and you better repent because God is not happy with that. <laughs> no, listen, it's not newness. It's not newness that will truly bring meaning and significance into your life is thankfulness. Look at this. Thankfulness creates appreciation. If you're writing down notes, I'd write this down. Because the word for appreciation doesn't just mean to say thank you, but that's why we say, uh, this definition is why we say to appreciate something also means not just to say thank you, but to have a full understanding of a situation. Recognition and enjoyment of the good qualities of someone or something. I know I'm taking some time here this morning just to introduce the idea of thankfulness, but this is probably one of the most powerful things you'll hear throughout this message is that, listen, you cannot truly do this with Jesus until you live thankful. If you're constantly looking for the new thing, if you're constantly looking for something else, constantly bored in life, and you don't know how to deal with the mundane, you will never truly find appreciation for the things that God has already given you. For those of you who are married, you know this. You didn't have a great marriage when you went on your honeymoon. That was just a glorified vacation that you didn't deserve. Anybody say amen? (laughs) Like you hadn't done anything yet. You know when you need the honeymoon is like, Year 50, because that's when you've accomplished something, right? 
That's when you've truly accomplished something. Listen, but if you're married, you know this, that that's when you truly find a appreciation for your spouse. It's not year one, not year two, not year three, but as you continue to get to know them and as you continue to go deeper with them, that's when you can truly appreciate who they are. And I wanna share this with you because here's a pro tip. This is great, especially in time for Christmas, because you won't have to buy as nice as a gift if you just start doing this for your wife in, in advance. So, fellas, you're welcome. If you just start saying thank you every single day to your wife for something that she did that day or for who she is that day, you know, baby, just, just thank you for being beautiful. Thank you that God made you beautiful. I know you can't control it, but thank you for being beautiful. Thank you for what you do for the kids. Thank you for, for, for what you did when you, when you cleaned the house. Thank you for, for going to work. Or thank you for doing this. And you can do that with your husband too. I promise you, guys are so, so simple that all you have to do is probably twice and they'll be like, can I clean the toilets for you now? Come on, this is a great manipulation tool. Somebody's not amen in this, but you should. Thank your husband. It'll work, yeah. It'll work. But the point is this, is that you can't truly understand and fully appreciate everything that God's done for you without thankfulness. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll jump into Nehemiah. And I, and I promise we'll get you out of here on time, too, if that's important to you, but hopefully you're enjoying this. Um, but here's the thing, is, is that if thankfulness is truly the key to appreciation, then, then why do we often so seek new things? Now, I was praying a while back, and it's funny um, prayer is such a powerful thing. We do it the first Saturday of every single month, and we pray for our church service. We pray for you, and we pray for the people we don't yet know. We do first Saturday of every single month. We hold a one-hour prayer meeting for our church. And, um, and I was praying one time, and it's funny how I'll remember things in prayer that just get sealed into my brain. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's just like God takes a searing iron and, and just sears it into your brain, and you don't forget it. And this is one of those times because I jumped into prayer one, one, one afternoon and I was praying, God, show me something new. God, give me something new that I've never realized before, that I've never seen before. Give me a new revelation of who you are. And some of you don't know some of that language, but, but simply I was just saying, show me something new, God, because I'm tired of what I've already, already gotten. Show me something new because I'm ready for something new. And I swear to you, some of you think I'm nuts when I tell you this, but I swear to you, God spoke to me. And, and you're going to say, he didn't speak to you, because I, I'm going to show you the way that he sometimes speaks to me, because sometimes it's pretty direct. And this is what I felt like God spoke to me that day when I was praying for something new. He said, you don't even yet know my grace, but you're asking for something new. You've merely scratched the surface. This is kind of how I interpreted it. You've merely scratched the surface of something that you think is old, but you do not know the depth and the beauty of that thing. And I really started doing this. And so directly after praying that, I was like, you know what, God, you're right. I don't know the thimble full of your grace and your goodness, but yet I think I've graduated the cross. Yet I think I've graduated the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 we know that. No, 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 we don't. You'll never know it deeply enough. And so from that moment, I did that first Thessalonians thing, and you said, you know what? The rest of my time in prayer tonight, and I took another hour to just thank God, just to thank him for his grace. Thank him for what he did on the cross for me. Thank him for putting breath in my lungs. Thank him for giving me shoes to wear. Thank him for giving me feet so that I can put him in my shoes. Thank him that he put stars in the sky, just pretty little objects that I just get to go and stare at for my amusement. Only there just so that I can see something beautiful that God put up there as a display of his handiwork. Thank him for the marriage that you got. Thank him even for the issues that are going on in your life. Thank him for everything that he has done and is gonna do in your life because that's 
how you'll truly understand it, to know and to appreciate God. Not new things all the time. And this is probably a message. We're, we're, we're not very old, so maybe I need to preach this way further down the road. But, but regardless of how old we get as a church, here's what I want for every single one of us here at Soma Church is to live a thankful life is to be thankful for everything that God's doing in every season of life, no matter if it looks like how we want it to look, but just to give him thanks. All right, now here's the why. Here's the why. So it comes back to our story, Nehemiah. And I'll move quickly when we talk about what to give God thanks for, um, but I wanna show you this in, in the story of Nehemiah so that you'll know. This book study of Nehemiah, as we wrap it up today, this is the last thing that Nehemiah does with his people, and I think the last thing that God would want us to know here this morning. It says this. On the second day of the month, of the, he the heads of all the families along with the priests and the Levites gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. So they're reading the Bible, in other words. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month. And they shouted, proclaiming this word, and spread throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, from myrtles, palms, and shade trees, to make temporary shelters, as it is written. And I'll explain this um, a little bit further. And so the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the houses of God, and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. And then the whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last day, Ezra read the, from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. So, real quick synopsis for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in exile. He, uh, the Israelites were captured by the Babylonians and taken away to a foreign land. Much, much later, Nehemiah raises up and he decides to go back to the land of Jerusalem. It's laid in ruins. Some rebuilding has already begun, but there's still some things that they need to go back and build. So they're building a wall. They're rebuilding the homes of, of the city of Jerusalem. And they're rebuilding the temple, where the, the church, if you will, where, where God's presence is. So they're going back to do all of these things. And now, after we've taken this journey um, throughout these six weeks in this series shift, we now find that they have rebuilt the whole city. The temple's built, the wall is built, their homes are rebuilt, and they're getting back to the word of God now. And, and, and they're remembering some things that God has told them to do. And as they open up the book, they realize it's October 9th, and it's the time when we are supposed to, break a, supposed to celebrate a festival called the Festival of Booths. The Festival of Booths, or the Festival of Sukkot. All right, so it's a Jewish festival that actually takes place, I think, starting on October 13th, so in just a little while, on October 13th, and I'll show you this here. Um, this is what it looks like. They, they literally leave their homes, and they go and build little shacks like this all over the city of Jerusalem, and they go and they live in these things for, for a week, and they eat in these things for a week, and so this festival of booths, if you will, is literally because they go live inside of these little booths when they have homes, right? They've got their homes built, but they for a week decide to go live in these things. Now you ask yourself why. 
Because the festival of booths is a commemoration and a memoriam to what God did when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Okay, So the Festival of Booths is a thanksgiving ceremony for Jewish people even to this day. Nehemiah is re-implementing it since they've been gone away from their home and they haven't celebrated any of those festivals. Nehemiah is telling them to do it again and they celebrate it to this day where they leave their homes and they remember that God took them from slavery when they were in Egypt and then brought them into the wilderness, and then eventually brought them to the promised land. So it's a thanksgiving celebration for all of those three things, that God delivered them from slavery, provided for them while they were in the wilderness, and then eventually brought them to the promised land. We say it, I'll say it like this, that it's a celebration that God has pardoned you. It's a celebration that God has provided for you, and it's a celebration that God has some promises for you. This morning. And those are three things that you can thank God for. So let's just, I want to kind of briefly explain these three things that we can thank God for. And the first one is this is that you can thank God that He pardoned you. Listen, I don't know if you got everything going on in your life like you want it to right now, but but I hope you haven't been saved so long that, that you have lost your thankfulness for what He did for you when He died for you on the cross and then He raised on the on the third day. And that he now lives in heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to come and abide with you and teach you and guide you and direct you every single day of your life. I don't know how long ago it was that you first made a decision to believe in Jesus. But if you really got it, you remember what it was like. So let me walk down memory lane for you. You remember what it was like to be lost, probably. You remember what it was like to have no hope, no future. To not know what was going to happen when you died. You probably remember that. Maybe you remember that. And if you do, you remember, if you were in that state, I was 19 years old when I first came to Jesus. And if you were in a state similar to what I was in, then then you remember what it's like to be a slave and then to finally be free. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about alcohol. I'm talking about women only just to try to make myself feel better about myself and and, and never truly loving people, loving women or loving myself, being a slave, and then one day Jesus stepping into my life and setting me free. Come on, man. That's the day that will live in infamy for Reed Uberman, and hopefully it will for you too. The day you got set free and were made whole, That's why I can't step into a church service and not lift my hands and say, thank you, God, for everything that you've done for me because you have set me free. Now, we don't like this as Americans. Let's be honest, right? We don't like talking about slavery because of our checkered past. We we don't like thinking about it, and we certainly don't like being called a slave. Um, We don't like the, the, the insinuation that we might not be everything that we should be, but the reality is, is before we come to know Jesus, that's exactly what we are. And maybe you can agree with this too, because you can be placed in a prison and you can be placed as a slave and you cannot be free externally. But if you're free internally, you made a decision, no matter what your external circumstances look like, to be free and to not let anybody be your slave master. And there were slaves who had to make this decision. They may, they may own me at this moment, but, I'm, but they are not my master then you know what this is like because you know how important it is to be free internally. All of your freedom on the outside can be taken away. But, but if you're a slave in here, 
you'll be a slave for the rest of your life. There's somebody who made this quote, and I think it's a true quote, that the cruelest prison is the prison in the mind. That, that you can be free externally. So let's flip the table a little bit. You can be free externally, but if you're not free here, if you're not free here, then you're still a slave. And God wants to awaken us and to truly help us to understand what it means to truly be free. Free from sin, free from our past, free from our anxieties, free from our, our doubts and our fears, and free from those things that have held us captive for so long. If you don't know this, even if you are a Christian here this morning, know this, that God wants to bring you freedom. The Bible even says it in Romans 6. Look at this. It says that, that we were once slaves. It says, but thanks be to God that, through, that though you use, used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. That you used to be slaves, but now you're free. Used to be slaves, but now you're free. You want something to thank God for? Thank him for the cross. Thank him for the blood that sets us free. Thank him that you used to be a slave, but you're no longer a slave anymore. That you are truly free. Free to be who God's called you to be. Free to understand what it means to have purpose and a hope and a reason for existence. I don't think you're free until you truly know Jesus because Jesus created you and you'll never know why you were created until you know your creator. And if you got him, he'll tell you that and he'll set you free. And he'll show you why you're here on this earth. You're never free until you can solve that inner ache inside of you and know this is why I'm here on this earth. But Jesus will answer those questions for you and it'll make you free. Here's the next thing. Just like the Israelites were taken from captivity, from a cruel slave owner, and then set free, they thank him for that. They also thank him that when they got delivered from slavery, God brought them into the wilderness. And they didn't know how to take care of themselves. They were just former slaves. They didn't know what they were going to do. But God gave them manna from heaven, bread from heaven, if you will. He gave them even a cloud by day and a fire by night. He gave them quail. He gave them water from a rock. Every time that they tried to complain about something that wasn't going right in their life, in the wilderness, God provided for them. God took care of them. God took care of them. Look at this scripture verse. And this is the thing that you need to know about your life today is that God wants to do the same thing for you. God wants to provide for you. If he's ever done anything for you, if he's ever rescued you, if he's ever shown up on time, even though it may not have been where you wanted it to, but it was right on time, you need to thank him for, for helping you out and, and for providing for you. Look at what Philippians 4 says. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Some of you don't know that here this morning, that you can pray to God and he will help you with whatever you need. He's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God that provides. Um, that's what that word means, is that he's a God that will take care of you when you least expect it, in his timeline, and do more than you could ever possibly think. It's okay to ask him for things. By the way, if you struggle with this like I do, I'm, I'm a self-made man, or so I think I am, and I struggle asking God for things, right? Maybe you do that, like, I don't want to ask God for anything. He's been so good to me. I don't want to ask him for things. This is not about getting free stuff from God from heaven. But listen, when you ask God for stuff, you glorify God. When you don't, you don't glorify him. Because when you're asking him for something, you are showing that you are dependent upon him for stuff. You are not self-dependent, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Neither am I. But, but when we ask God for things, what we're essentially saying is, God, I need you. God, I need you in my life. 
And you need to start asking him for some things. You maybe need to ask him for some crazy things that you haven't even believed him yet for. And trust him to do things in your life because he will provide. He will provide. If you haven't seen God provide before in your life, here's this quote that I want to share with you. I, I, because this is what you need to try. God's work done, done, God, done God's way will never lack God's provision. See, maybe sometimes you've, you've, you've fallen flat on your face, and this is probably why. If you do something God's way, and you do it, if it's God's work, you watch what God does. You can step out on a limb. You can start a church from nothing, and you see God do things that you never thought possible. God's got some promises for you. Listen, but we, we got to stop doing this. we got to stop saying, Lord, I want your will. But when God says, well, here's how I want it done, you say, well, God, I want your will, but I don't want your way. I'm not so sure I'm going to do it this way, God. I want to do it this way. I want your will for my life, but I don't want the way in which you want me to do it. If we can learn that his will and his way is the best way, we'll see God's provision in our life and start doing things that we've never thought possible. Here's the last one. God's promised you. God's given you a promise. God gave them a promise, the children of Israel, that they were going to go from where they were out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Can I just ask this question real quick? Do you have a promise? Are you believing God for anything in the future? Listen, let me just level with you real quick. This is where kind of the sermon goes off to the side and, and Reed's heart just comes to you. Listen, you're not going to make it if you don't have hope for a promise. Listen, that promise may be heaven. Maybe it's something here on this earth. There's gonna be times in your life where you're going through difficulty and you're waiting on God's provision. And if you don't have a promise, you may not be able to get there. You'll fall into the trap of despair and discouragement. So can I ask this question? What's God's promise for your life? What does God want you to do? Do you know what that is? Do you know what he has for you in the future? Because here's the, the thing that, I, that God just spoke directly to me. This is a quote that doesn't come from any person. This comes directly from God to my heart, I, I think, and I want to share it with you. Between God's promise and God's faithful fulfillment of that promise is faith. Why would you need faith if every time you got a promise from God, he immediately gave it to you, immediately gave it to you right there on the spot? That's why you need faith. That's why you need to understand that God has provided for you in the past and God has pardoned you in the past and he has done those things in the past and so he'll be sure to make sure that I make it through to the promise in the future. So put that, put that scripture verse up real quick. This is Ephesians 2.10 and it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know what those works are? This is the word of God. If you believe the word of God this morning, then you believe that God has good works in advance for you to do, stuff that you haven't done yet. God's got a promise for you. Until you get to that work, whatever it may be, and you find yourself right now in this middle place, you find yourself in the gaps between God's promise and his fulfillment, what do you need to do? You need to thank him for the promise. You need to thank him. You need to thank him for what he's done in the past. You need to thank him for what he's doing presently. And if you can believe him for what he's done in the past, and if you've seen him do anything in your life presently, then you can find the faith to believe that God is going to take you to where he said he would take you in the future. Come on, somebody. 
That's, that's a promise for you. Just as surely as he took the children of Israel out of that desert and into a place flowing with milk and honey. If you know the story, you're like, milk and honey, what in the world? It's not bath soap, right? That's like in your bath soap nowadays. But back then, it's a good promise. Um, beyond just bath soap, God wanted to take them to a land of provision and blessing. He didn't want them just to stay right where they were. God's got a promise for each and every one of us. And here's the pathway. Thank him for the past. Thank him for the present. And thank him for the future, the great things he's got in store for you. Listen, I just wanted to lay those three things out so that you can say, well, when I thank him, what am I supposed to thank him for? Especially when you, when you see things aren't going the way that maybe you would like them to go. You, you, can, you can come back and you can remember, man, you, you saved me. You pardoned me so that I'm no longer a slave. I'm glad we sang that song this morning. It's a truth. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. And then maybe even presently or at least somewhere in the distant uh, distant past, God's provided for you, hasn't he? He's done something that you didn't know was going to happen. Maybe he gave you, even if it was just a little bit of peace, when it seemed like all heck was breaking loose in your life. But God's done something for you, and he'll do it again. Thank him for it. And then you need to start thanking him for what you've yet to see, because God's a God of promise, and God's got great things for you in the future. And so today, the only question is this, is are we going to do what Thessalonians says, are we truly going to live a life of thankfulness? Are we going to be so thankful that there's nothing that may circumstantially happen to us that will be bigger than our Christ, that we will thank him when the car doesn't work. We will thank him when the job isn't going right. We will thank him when the marriage could be better. We will thank him when we don't have everything that we want to have or believe that God wants to do in our life. We will say, thank you, Jesus, because I know you are faithful. So it's a decision we have to make today. You can either live your life filtering everything that happens to you through the lens of your pain, or you can do it through the lens of praise. And you can say, God, I thank you for everything that you've done in my life. No, it may not be exactly like I wanted to, but God, I'm going to give you thanks anyway. Listen, maybe you're familiar with the story of Joseph. He's a guy that his brothers sold him into slavery after throwing him uh, before they threw him in a pit. And then they sold him into slavery, and then he became a prisoner, and eventually he became the vice president of the known world, the second-hand man to the Pharaoh at that time. And there's this beautiful scene at the end of Joseph's story where he's been changed so much because he used to be a, a, a slave, and then he became a prisoner, and now he's, he's a ruler. He's changed so much that his brothers come back, and they don't even recognize him. And they're asking him for favors because he's this guy in a place of authority. And they don't even recognize who he is. And maybe you remember Joseph with the Technicolor dream coat. Dad gave him this real beautiful, colorful coat. And, and, and so they've come to him much later down the road after they did this evil thing to him. And, and they finally see, oh, it's my brother Joseph. And they start weeping and they say, I'm sorry we did this to you, Joseph. Please forgive us. We, we shouldn't have done that to you. And this is what Joseph says. You might have intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. You might have wanted to do me harm, but God, every step along the way, was doing something through the pain that was coming into my life. I'm sorry, but I get excited about this. Listen, if God can trust you to be thankful all the way from the pit to the slave quarters to the prison, he will get you to the palace. 
He will bring you to the place you're supposed to be. If you can adopt that attitude of Joseph, no matter what you've gone through or what you're dealing with, if you can still thank him and realize he is at work in my life, no matter what's going on around me, he'll get you to where you need to be. The only question is, is are we going to take this, this pro tip, this key, this tool to truly going deeper? Just to give him thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, please check out our channel for past episodes. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. For more info about Soma Church, please go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you in person.